Hey, welcome to Things Worth Learning. I'm your host, Matt Stauffer, and this is a show where a curious computer programmer, that's me, interviews fascinating people about their passions. My guest today is Bissarat Debebe, founder of Itan Comics, a writer, a storyteller, and creator of the first Ethiopian comic books. So Bissarat, could you tell the audience a little bit about yourself and whether it's your personal or professional life and just kind of what's bringing you here? And I know we'll talk later about what you're actually here for specifically, but can we just kind of get a quick intro to you? Yeah, yeah, no, hey, thanks, Matt. Thank you for having me. Very excited to be here. Uh, yeah, a little bit about me. So I kind of came to the States when I was around 14, 15 years old. I'm originally from Ethiopia, and I grew up uh, in Ethiopia in Addis Ababa, mm-hmm. the capital, and kind of moved here and, uh, you know, went through college, graduated as an engineer. And a few years ago, I started a comic book publishing business uh, that was focused on publishing African stories by African creators, uh, formed kind of a pan-African team and art artists from Nigeria and, and Ethiopia. And we started working on some really cool uh, stories. And I, I, I love writing stories. I love uh, comics in general, manga, you know, graphic novels. Yeah. And so I've always, one thing I missed was uh, having Ethiopian stories, mythologies, and African mythologies in it. So I uh, decided to focus on that, and we published some some cool yeah. stories, uh, Jember, Howie, and Zufan, and I know we'll get into those. And they are, they've just uh, it's kind of blown up more than I expected, and very, very thankful and uh, happy to be here, too. I love that. Well, thank you so much for the intro, and just a tiny bit of um, backstory for everybody who doesn't know, which is everybody but the two of us. I found your comics <laughs> through a friend of mine, Scott, and he's like, I know you're a comic book nerd. you got to check these out on Kickstarter and now have consumed all of them. And it's interesting because every time you send them out, and I, I think you said Amharic, so I, every time you send them out, I'm actually getting it in multiple languages. So I'm getting the one that's in English yeah. and then I'm getting the one that's in Amharic, which you said is the Ethiopian language, language or national language. And it's yeah. really fascinating for me because I feel like it is a obviously like we're, I'm getting too early in this, but it's like this validation of the culture that you're working at. It's not just like an anglicization of the culture, like, hey, hey, Americans, here you go. You're clearly actually serving the people there. So we'll get there in a second. But I just wanted everyone to hear yeah. the context, because if you have not kind of seen these comics before, it might not be as clear. Because like the first thing that I thought when I heard Ethiopian comic book, I was like, oh, so it's going to be like Black Panther, right? We're going to be bringing this kind mm-hmm. of like African spirituality, African culture, some African language and stuff like that. Um in, in mythology into a very like Americanized, Westernized space to give access to these things, which are beautiful and wonderful to Western people. But it's clear to me that that's not just what's going on here. So I won't, I won't put words in your mouth. We'll talk about that in just a second, but I want everybody else to hear that yeah. this is not like the, the, I think that from an outsider, the Black Panther perspective is a good start, but it's not enough to understand quite what's going on here. So I know I'll let you get to that in just one second, but one question I have to ask you beforehand is, do you have any sort of yeah. life mantra or phrase or idea that you always try to live your life by? Uh, yeah, uh, that's a great question. So for me, something that's always been anchoring, a phrase, a mantra that's been anchoring is uh, it's uh, everything happens for a good reason uh, mantra, which, uh, you know, it comes from my background and my faith and all that stuff. But uh, I, I've noticed that it's been my consistent ma- mantra from a young mm-hmm. age. And it's always kept me in um, failing mm-hmm. forward. I've never mm-hmm. had an had opportunity or, or a time where I've said, 
oh yeah, I, I'm I'm doomed, or like I'm this is this is like this this instance or whatever event happened to me is like my I can't get back up from this. It's I always believe that if I've done my best and, I, and something has happened and it didn't go the way I planned, then I, there is a bigger plan. There is something I'm supposed to learn from it and grow from it. Everything happens for a That's good amazing. reason. That's I appreciate you sharing that, and I, I do want you to hear you are welcome to share as much about your faith or your background here as you want. You don't have to, because sometimes I'll go on podcasts and I'm like, Hey, yeah, I don't know. I, 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 I don't know if I'm supposed to quote scripture here or not, but what I want you to hear that if, even if in this particular question, if you want to go deeper into that and tell us where that comes from or a particular reference or anything like that, cool. If not, we can just keep on moving. But I just want you to know, like, I want, I want the whole person here. You don't have to, you don't have to censor anything that. So. I gotcha. I gotcha. Yeah, no, I, I mean, this is just, I, my faith, I'm Orthodox okay. Christian. It's, that's the, uh, kind of the Ethiopian community has multiple faiths, predominant faiths, but Orthodox okay. is one of them. And uh, I, I've always grown close to that. And it's it's something that we we always kind of, uh, you know, as a family, like we always go back to this sort of mantra, you know, with my mom, with my with my brothers, my father. It's, uh, it's something we've sort of lived by in and uh, that, that's where it goes by. And I just remember distinctly from very young age uh, thinking about that kind of like whenever I get into some situation, I'm just always the, I always like have to even I usually even verbally say it out loud to remind myself, like just everything happens for a good reason. That. It's OK. It's OK to feel this pain and you can move on. You will move on, you know, so. Not to get super religious on you or anybody else, but one of the things that has been really valuable for me as I kind of think through that particular mantra is sometimes we can say, well, why did whoever, you know, God, creator, universe, whatever, make this bad thing happen? Wouldn't that be a bad God who makes the bad thing happen? And of course, people have all sorts of theological ideas about that. But one of the, the it's almost the inverse of it that has also been really valuable for me is um, the universe or God or whomever can bring good of everything, right? Because I think that's mm -hmm. like, I'm not, mm -hmm. again, I'm not trying to put words in your mouth, but there are ways yeah. in which we can gain from even the worst things that have happened in our lives and we can, we can grow from them and we can, you know, experience abundance out of the, the, what came from something that looked bad when it was happening. And so again, I'm not saying yeah. that you're saying that, but I, I love looking at it from both sides. Well, that's very, very well said. I yeah. agree with that. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I have met many people who have, countered me with that uh, you know with what you just said which is if everything happens for a good reason then why is xyz mm -hmm. happening and you know just you why don't you answer that question <laughs> it's for me? complicated and I, and I i don't yeah exactly i don't i i, I don't try to you know subject people to my mm -hmm. beliefs and the way i see life but i know for me this has mm -hmm. been true uh, in many many ways and uh you know I, i've told you i, I came we moved here there's just several instances of challenges mm. I've faced in my life, which could have uh, went south many ways. And uh, I've always found the, the lesson from them. And I've always looked back and said, oh, wow, I okay, I get it. I get it <laughs> I now. See, you I know? see what's going on there. <laughs> so, yeah. Oh, I love that. Well, thanks for sharing that, man. I really appreciate it. So yeah. you know this podcast is actually about one topic that you are really passionate about. So can you tell me what are we actually going to talk about today? Yes. So, uh, you know, I'm super, super passionate about connecting people like myself with my heritage and visual storytelling. 
which is comic books and graphic novels, manga. I'm especially, especially passionate about like Ethiopian and African storytelling because we have such a rich history uh, um, that has not been shared mm-hmm. with the world mm-hmm. or that most most people don't know about. Um, obviously, I know about it because I grew up back yeah. home. But uh, a lot of people, when they think of Africa, have outdated perceptions, yes. to say the least. <laughs> yeah, that's a kind uh, way of saying it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and, you know, even when you think about African history, a lot of people focus on Egyptian mm-hmm. history, not a lot on, uh, you know, other countries for the most part. And uh, with this new wave of uh, Black Panther and stories like that coming along, it's opened up an opportunity for uh, people like myself and other storytellers to really share this rich side of our culture, our heritage. And uh, in addition to that, there, you know, there's the representational aspect. And I feel like, you know, this representation matters is becoming a very cliche quote now. So I, I like to frame it in a different way because what really happens when, uh, when you know, we say re- representation matters is you, you know, we're validating our existence. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We're validating our experiences uh, and saying, I belong in this space. I belong in arts. I belong in, uh, in, in doctors, engineers. I belong in music. I belong in uh, hockey. I belong in, in, you know, water sports. Like all these places where you're, you know, whether intentionally or unintentionally, society has conditioned us to feel mm-hmm. Like we don't belong, we're validating and affirming ourselves that we belong. That's incredible. That's what it means for me uh, to to say representation matters. And so when I write these stories, and you know, and share not only the history and the mythology that we grew up with and that we know about, and I'm also sharing the visual art style, Mm -hmm. the way we communicate, uh, the way we talk, our letters, you know. It's not boom, pow, clank, you know, it's other things, you know, there's other different sounds that we use and that validates my experience, you know, and when other people see it, they're like, oh my God, that's how I grew up. Like, oh, what the heck is a boom, bow, bow? Like, I grew up with this uh-huh. other sound, you know, and it's like, yeah, of course, you know, this is another human experience and it is totally normal. It's totally okay. Uh, it validates my fears, you know, this is what I'm afraid of. These are the things that I don't tell other people about because if they tell, if I tell that they'll outcast right. me or whatever. And so I'm very, very passionate about this journey of visual storytelling, entertainment, plus validation, education, yeah. and, and, and just growing in this arena. Goodness, you just gave me like a two hours worth of conversation just out of that one <laughs> introductory um, statement. That's so good, man. So uh, there's a million places we could go, but I think the first question I want to ask you is, and I mentioned yeah. at the beginning that two things, one that um, you deliver your comics in multiple languages. And two, I mentioned this before mm-hmm. that my, uh, you, and one of the things that you sent out there was coloring books and my kids got super excited and like it sounds like one of those things where you know how people say their kids say something that they obviously didn't say, but it's just to like match their political ideology. But my kid actually said this, yeah. like saying something. I can't remember the exact words, but basically, like, I can't believe I'm coloring a, a superhero that looks like me or something. It was just so. It was yeah. so 
trite that I'm like, nobody's going to believe me that he actually just said this. You know what I mean? But I think it's a really amazing opportunity that we can all imagine kind of like, oh, this person might get value here. But I'm curious for you, do you have a primary audience? And obviously, you're you're releasing this in multiple languages. You're, you know, you're putting it out in the US, but you also are clearly targeting Ethiopian and other folks from other areas of Africa. But like, if you were to say, like, if, if one group of people is reached this is the most important and everything is also secondary. Is there such a group? And, and some of the groups I could imagine are, you know, Ethiopian expats or folks who currently live in Ethiopia or Americans who should learn more about Ethiopia or, you know, like, is there a particular place where you're like, this is the target and everybody else is kind of great, but secondary, or is it really just kind of putting it out there? Yeah, no, my, uh, whenever I write stories or whenever we publish these books, it is young black and brown kids. Those are who I have in my mind all the time. And I approach it from that perspective. Obviously, you know, you can you can segment saying, oh, black and brown kids, of course, includes Ethiopian kids, includes Nigeria and everybody in that segment. Uh, but those are those are, you know, I focus on them and then, you know, their parents. That's that's who I focus on when I try to work and tell these stories. Obviously, I would like that to grow into a stage where we focus on just everybody in the black and brown community and everybody else outside as well. Like, I want the stories to to not only be, you know, uh, a specific or genre or something or age group. I want them to to, to grow. Right. Because, you know, I think that comics provide such an opportunity to reach multiple audiences. But at at this very moment. My laser focus is on, you know, connecting black and brown kids with the rich, the rich African heritage, whether it's, as I said, like history wise or things they don't know about African civilization and African sci-fi speculation Mm -hmm. and all that stuff, or whether it's visual art wise, you know, like we had really dope, dope styles. Nobody knows about this, you know, like, and they should, I think that like just it's just like people when people discovered they should you know quote unquote discovered yeah. manga right manga was there for for a long time uh but now like it, it gradually grew people started accepting it like look at all of your you know our favorite shows like avatar the last airbender so and all these great shows you know like they they take anime right they they use the anime style the japanese style is so forefront mainstream right now it wasn't like this back when it started and that's where we are i feel Mm. in our journey with african art style and african storytelling you know i wanted to get to a level where we share the very unique aspects of this heritage enough that people from all different backgrounds enjoy it in the mainstream that's amazing so I love yeah. that. And I, and that makes a ton of sense because I was, I was imagining that both, I think when we tell stories and we want to target, um, everybody, you end up kind of getting mush. Um, so sometimes yeah. the best way to get to everybody is to make a really narrow focus on like who this is for this person. And I'm going to imagine this particular person when I'm telling the story, but then I will tell a rich and robust story that ends up being appealing to other people, but it still has integrity to mm-hmm. like what it was about instead of trying to just be a little bit for everything. So I, I believe that yeah. because yeah. I took that away from reading your comics and I, t- so I'm not surprised to hear that, but 
I kind of that uh, that also kind of puts together the idea that like where you are right now is a part of a plan. And right now you you know you mentioned three comics, but you also mentioned that you want to have lots of other stuff that are different styles and made by different people. So could you tell me a little bit the story yeah. of when you first got started actually in Kickstarters and what was the first comic and what was the first idea? Just kind of what got you to where you are today? And then from there, I'd love to talk about kind of yeah. where are you going from there? Yeah, yeah definitely. So uh, when I started, I started with the uh, Jember story. Jember is a superhero kind of adventure story. And uh, I was actually at work in my office, like looking at the news. And I saw these, um, I saw news of these like Ethiopian Powerpuff Girls. Um, like, uh, like it was a very small animation. It was a news about these Powerpuff Girls trying to teach uh, uh, girls rights okay. to yeah, young cool. girls. Okay. And I saw that news and I was like, wow, this is really cool. Like, I want to take this a step further. That was like the light bulb moment for me when I was like, I want to take this a step further, though, because I want like what I want is I want a story that's like Spider-Man or Batman that is centered out of like Ethiopia, like Addis Ababa. Like, what would it be if somebody... Like in Addis Ababa, I got superpowers where I grew up, and I I knew immediately right there that the story would be so different. Yeah. You know, the culture is different. There's like religion. There's like you know, people are so nervous around supernatural yeah. things. Um, it's taboo. Uh, there, there's just so many dynamics. It's like very, you know, Ethiopia is a very uh, what is it um, community centered culture. Like your neighbor almost raises your kids like his kids or her kids you know what i mean and so it's not as like in the u.s or the western cultures where it's individualistic Mm -hmm. and you know if you keep growing you get to what you want and all that stuff it's more about you focus a lot on uh, the community right and it's good in that it's good in that people are always there for you so is a superhero needed that's right. one question. That's a fascinating and then, question. Yeah, and, then, and then the second part, though, is also like there's a big, uh, when if you want to kind of, if you have an idea or you want to do something very different that is outside of the community norms, then it's very challenging, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right? You have to, you have to like be so careful because you'll be outcast, mm-hmm. right? So that's another thing that happens when you're a superhero and you have powers. And you come in and you're like, I'm about to save everybody. It's like, who are you? Like, you're this foreign <laughs> entity, uh-huh. like, you know? Mm. And so, like, I just thought about those dynamics and I was like, oh man, like, I want to know what happens. I want, this is, I think, a great story. Um, and uh, it really put me into this question of self worth mm. and all that stuff. So, gender story is really about self worth because, as I said, in, the, in a community oriented culture, your, your self-worth is often you get you get tricked into thinking that your self-worth is determined by the status oh, you achieve, the people you yeah. help, uh, the things you accomplish, and um, what what happens when you get a superpower and you're able to do all this and all, like how does it mess with your with your values and all that stuff? like that question really started digging at me and so that's where Jemba came. Um, so Jember follows this young kid, you know, his name is Emmanuel Talamun, and he's just graduated 
from like college and he has no job, uh, but he's like desperately looking for a job. This is another way of looking for mm-hmm. self-worth in a community oriented culture. And, uh, you know, he's just like feeling hopeless and he's like almost looking for ways to get out of, of the city to find opportunities, you know, and he's in this state when he finds the thing that changed his life. And so he has this question of like, okay, I mean, I can really change my life right now if I want. I can, I can do whatever. I can also be responsible if I need to or not. Like he has to weigh those decisions and uh, you just gradually see him grow, embracing this this other side, and then the reaction of his community and how that dynamic changed. Now, this this dynamic you will not find in yeah. New York. You will find it, in Brooklyn, yeah. you know, in Spider Man yeah, exactly. or another because it's a totally different yeah. cultures, you know. Um, huh. You know, so it's not that that that's why I really got drawn to that story. And so Jember, we started with Jember. Uh, Jemba has now like four issues out. The first arc of the story is over into a graphic novel. Uh, and then we're going to continue in volume two uh, a few uh, later. And then Howie was our next story. Uh, Howie is a fantasy story. Uh, and so Howie now follows uh, an Ethiopian-American uh, young character and her journey of kind of self-discovery and how we story is about trusting your gut that's what how we story is it's uh, you get this character who uh grew up with uh, uh her mom uh, and uh she you know in an ethiopian family household and, and i would assume in other immigrant households as well uh, you're very much you're very much close with your with your parents and always working to please yeah. them, um, whether you you recognize yeah. it or not. Um, and um, because of that, it leaves this uh, self doubt or lack of self confidence in you. At times, you become indecisive because you're so used to listening to your your guider. You know, you're you're so you're so used to like taking their advice and making sure they're happy with your decisions, with your path, and developing the strength to kind of challenge these perspectives in a way that is still healthy in your relationship yeah. and allows you to grow is a very difficult journey and I think interesting journey. And um, you know, I wanted to express that journey in a in a very in a fantasy story, essentially. So, you know, you have you have this character, Mnet. She lives with her mom, as I said. Again, a young young student, and she's trying to like do her thing. Hey, mom, let me go here, let me go there. Mom is like, oh, you gotta be careful. You can't do that. Blah blah blah. And then they they uh, you know because of some uh, event, I'm just trying to be careful. Yeah, not yeah, to for spoil sure. The Appreciate story. that. They they uh, go back to Ethiopia to visit. Uh, family and then her mom gets kidnapped into this fantasy world like some strange masked figure comes and he just takes her and and Imnet jumps after him and the portal closes and so now you have her in this whole new world without no you know her mom uh, and uh, she has to figure everything out uh, learn to trust herself trust her gut and uh 
you know, you get to see all the different ways emotionally and physically she gets challenged to become the person she's meant to be and become more herself. Yeah. That's how we, how we and, and Jember's story will intersect yeah. at some point. Uh, so it's kind of like one one universe building there. And then uh, the later story we published is called mm-hmm. Zufan. Now, Zufan is a sci-fi story. Now, Zufan is, is separate out of the, the Jember and Howie universe. Um, it's, uh, it's actually, it's a story that recounts the true story of Italy's invasion of Ethiopia mm-hmm. in a sci-fi pan-african futuristic sci-fi yeah. uh, version and uh, i'm very excited about that story it's um one of the, the most important uh, moments in black mm. history uh, you know when italy tried to colonize ethiopia in the 1800s it was during the scramble for mm-hmm. africa or what historians call the scramble for africa you know, 13 European nations and, and the United States also, uh, they, they like met in Berlin to discuss about how to divide and, and uh, share resources that come from Africa. And, you know, there was no African leaders present. This is, this is a very, you know, uh, intense history. Um, and then after that came the conquest of Africa. And only one nation remained independent throughout all of that and retain the sovereignty and that was ethiopia and this is not taught in, in you know, american yeah. history schools it's not taught in europe it's taught in yeah. our schools and uh, other africans also know about it um, but i wanted to share this story in a new way that not only can people who are not ethiopians enjoy but even ethiopians yeah. enjoy um, and, and that's why I kind of twisted the story mm, to this, mm-hmm. this sci-fi, this this sci-fi story, and uh, you get to see these these aliens talk about yeah, Earth. I love that. And wanting wanting to divide <laughs> Earth up for their yeah. own resources, their own you know they they're looking up for their own interests. You know these these distant planets, um, planetary leaders. They they convene and they come to Earth and they say, hey. This part of Earth yeah. is mine, and, and you know, and then only one one you know nation kind of remains yeah. uh, with their sovereignty. And how, how does that story? You know, you get to basically see yeah. that story and uh, learn real history through that. Well. So, so those are our stories. I have so far. A million questions, but I got to start right there with one thing. Um, yeah. Have you by yeah. chance seen Battlestar Galactica, the the remake? Okay. Not the remake. I, I, yeah, I have seen, I know of Battlestar Galactica very well, but I haven't seen okay. the remake. So for anyone who doesn't know, Battlestar Galactica was like a corny show in 1980s, and then they made a remake in the early 2000s or something like that. It was like four seasons. It started out as like a two-hour miniseries, and then it turned out to like a big four-season show. And I've told people a lot oh. that I love this, and I, this will make sense in a second, because they're able to tell stories. And I think this is true about all good sci-fi. They can tell stories that we can disconnect from a little bit where we can have questions about things that our ability to engage with normally might be limited because we are tied in some way, like it's our culture or our family or our, our nation or whatever. And so we're not willing to fully be empathetic to the other side. And so in sci-fi, they're often able to tell these stories. And Star Trek does this a lot as well, um, where they're talking about something that matters today, but they're 
they're giving us a level of distance from it where we're able to like see it with a with more open eyes. And so there was one particular thread in um, Battlestar Galactica where the main characters who we identify with and we see them as the hero and the underdogs, they turns out are doing something that's really uncaring and inappropriate. And if we were to see it in today, it would be easy to say, oh, that's terrible, whatever. But but by putting us uh, uh, connected with the oppressor in that moment, it allows us to go, oh my God, like, did that really just happen that I now feel this way? And mm -hmm. so I love the idea of using a little, like a level of distance to allow us to look at a situation in a way that, like, if you were to say, hey, Americans, like, here's a comic book about your people being absolutely god awful to another people. It might be a little bit hard for us to interact with. And like you said, if you if it was for yeah. Ethiopians, it might be like, yeah, we've heard the story a hundred times, right? And so you were able to find yeah. a way to like turn it into this distant thing where everyone is able to look at it with fresh eyes. I really, really, really love that, and love that you're doing that. Yeah. So, so sorry, go ahead. No, no, no. That's so well said. Uh, that's really well said. And I, you know, I'm not like the first sure. to do yeah. this, obviously. Uh, so. One of the like other things that you know, along the same lines is like, do you know the comic uh, or the graphic novel uh, Mouse yes. by oh Art? Yeah. Okay. So, <laughs> but for those so, who don't, you know, can you like, can you give a little bit of context? Yeah, yeah. So for those for those who don't, Mouse is uh, is a survival mm -hmm. story. It's a story about uh, the author's father going through the uh, Holocaust period. Uh, and his survival story told through a graphic novel, but in that graphic novel, they convert, uh, they use cats and mice to tell the story. And uh, the, the cats are the, the Germans of, of the time and the mice uh, as the Jews of the time. And um, what that story does so brilliantly is help people empathize and heal two communities. By, by showing you the story through this distance mm -hmm. lens. Sometimes history is too traumatizing mm -hmm. to revisit, you know, directly. Mm -hmm. uh, and, you know, it's just, it can bring a lot of shame. It can bring a lot of strong emotions. And so when you see it through these, you know, uh, conversions in this, in this graphic novel with cats mm -hmm. and mice and, you know, visual stories, you're able to digest it more and you're able to empathize mm -hmm. more and and uh, go in the direction of healing and so i very much agree with what you said and that's another aspect of it that i considered when i wrote zufan which is you know it's going to be hard to you know i wanted people to see that the history of colonization wasn't uh, this like there's evil people and there's good people um, it was actually a chain of and a confluence of self-interests and how this blind pursuit of self-interest can get into such a dangerous path. And, um, you know, that just be beautifully captures humanity yeah. in general and allows you to empathize very well. You know, when you see, when you see alien races who are literally looking out for their own citizens, making decisions about mm -hmm. earth from that perspective but willing to commit crazy crazy yeah. things on yeah. the beings on earth just to look out for their own interests that's that's like you're just looking from the lens of your own safety your own 
you know, all, all that stuff. And, and that takes you down such a dark path. And we need to be able to acknowledge this if we are to learn from history, to grow from it, to heal from it, and to chart new paths. Wow. And so, yeah. That's amazing because I it's so funny because the moment someone says, I'm not trying to talk about good and evil people, I start, my hackles start rising because I say, don't you start justifying people for their behaviors, right? There's a bit of that. But I think that yeah. allowing people to be slotted into good and evil, and I'm just retelling my response to the very intelligent thing and amazing thing you just said. So sorry that I'm retelling it. But uh, <laughs> my first response to that was that. But afterwards I go, oh, you know what? Like not allowing us to slot those people in. Uh, so in the US, I'm, I know you're aware of this, but just for everyone, like the conversation of are you racist or not is like a really common conversation I have when I'm trying to talk about racial yeah. justice with people and people will just say, well, I'm not racist. And the problem is the slotting of people into white supremacist or not white supremacist, racist or not racist, means we can look at the white supremacists with their white hats and their burning crosses and say, that's not me, therefore I'm okay where I am. But if you look at it <laughs> instead in terms of the lens that you just said where not necessarily selfishness, but self-preservation and caring for yourself and your people and your people's needs to, at the expense of other people leads you to these horrible things. That's actually much more pressing on us to do better than if it's just evil people. Because we can say, look, I'm not, I know I'm not evil, so I'm good. At least I'm not Hitler, right? Uh, at least I don't wear a white robe. Yeah. And so what you're giving us is a space where we each have to say, it doesn't matter if you're not Hitler. Are you acting out of your own self-interest in a way that will be potentially harmful to other people. It doesn't matter if you're evil, you're still in that way. And like, are you know, you might not be racist, but are you uncritically benefiting from a racialized society? Well, mm. you know, so mm. wow, mm. you just kind of blew my mind that's a little it. bit with that. I really appreciate that. I'm telling you that you, you have said that, I, I couldn't have said that any more, any more better. Like that, that, is I think the nature of being a human and the level with which you focus on your self-interest by disregarding on other people shows you, you know, who you are, how you act, what, what you cause. And, um, I'm having yeah. an emotional moment here, but I'm sorry. That's really cool. Okay, so now you got me even more excited about what we're talking about than I already was, which I didn't think was possible. So where are you going from here? You have those three series you have going on. You're in a little bit of a break yeah. with Jim Better, but I know that you've got those. You've got plans for those, but what else is in the works? Like if if today, like I both want to know short term, but like if today somebody just wrote you a check for $5 million and said, quit your day job and just go run Itan full time, yeah. what what's your dream, you know? You know, uh, that's a great question. So in, in the short term, um, obviously for me, my, my goal is to make sure that these stories, Jambar Hawi Zufan, they're told the right way, they're delivered uh, and executed yeah. well. Because one thing I don't want to do is uh, Game of Thrones, the, the whole storylines. Right. Yep. Uh, and um, just, uh, I, it's also about building trust with our fan base in that I, you know, we have to be able to show not only quality work, but that we can consistently deliver, we can finish, mm -hmm. we can, you know, we're just like anybody, any other publisher at Help Accountable mm -hmm. and all that stuff. And we've been done a great job so far. We've, you know, had five Kickstarters, fulfilled all five on time and funded all five. All, like we have a really good trust built with our fan base. And I, I, I really want to make sure that is maintained. So 
my immediate focus is, would be those three and making sure they are executed. In the midterm to long term, my primary goals are one is expand the team so that I'm not the only one in my team currently are not the only ones t- yeah. telling yeah, yeah. stories. I would love stories from Kenya. I would love stories from Uganda. I would love stories from Tanzania. Like, you know, there's so many amazing stories waiting to be told. I want to give that platform that opportunity because other people are not going to give the, you know, these artists, these creatives that opportunity. They're afraid to take those risks on them. And I want to be there. I want to empower them as much as possible. Uh, That'll be my next goal. Uh, The third goal I have is, like I told you earlier, I'm very much uh, passionate about the the visual storytelling heritage of Africa, Africans. Um, I don't know if you if you know this already, but like we call our books senses. We don't even we don't refer to them as comic books or manga. And the word senses comes from it's a chain of two it's a, it's, a, it's a combo of two words two amharic words amharic uh, national language of ethiopia the first word is sensil which means mm-hmm. chain and then the second is si'il which means art so sensil is chain art perfect it's 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 actually derived from you know there's like in, in the 17th century in ethiopia uh, in, in, in Ethiopian monasteries in northern Ethiopia, they used to have this very graphic novel type mm-hmm. book that told visual storytelling, uh, that told stories, but it was very focused on uh, religious right. content. And it was called Sensul, S-E-N-S-U-L, Sensul. And so we're, we wanted to pay homage to that history we have and carve out a That's new... So cool dimension for us. So we have Sen Si'il, the chained art, sequential that art. That, so that's our, you see this, yeah. So that this, I want to, I want to make sure that that grows and becomes like manga. Uh, I want our own art style, just like manga yeah. has. I want our own way of telling our stories. Do we get to tell it, you know, back page forward or forward page yeah. back? Uh, like I, I want us to yes. define that. And why why is that? Because I, as I told you in the beginning, this is about validating our own existence, it's validating our own experience, our own talents, you know, affirming us, saying, of course, we are capable of creating our own art, yes. our own stories, and we don't have to seek validation from somebody else external. And we don't always have to fit other uh, criteria to tell our stories. It's great to write in a comic book format. It's great to write in a manga format. But I want yeah. our format. That's so cool. I want us to define and to own that. Uh, and so these are the three the three things. And, and of course, like anybody else, going into animation, going into yeah. games and TV, that's yeah, always yeah. a dream. That's always a, a goal that I, I have in the long term. But... Uh, in in the midterm to short, you know, long, uh, uh, in the mid in the short term, I'm focusing on gender how we zufan. Midterm, I'm focusing on expanding our team, making sure sensils are really well done, really well uh, showcased and explored. And then in the long run, I want animation.
animation. That's cool. Movies, shows, art. and also just like the the broader cultural understanding of this as a as a unique art form versus hey look some Ethiopian people are are working in this existing space right yeah yeah I love that exactly oh, that's exactly. so cool so if someone were changed I'll ask this last question then we'll move on to like the actual final question if someone who had yeah. never heard of you who had never experienced Ethiopian or any other Pan African art were to be changed by listening to you in this podcast today. Of course, there's some simple ones. Go buy the comics, go listen, you know, see the art, spread the knowledge. Those are simple ones. But if they were to be changed in terms of their perception of the world and their perception of Africa and African art and contributions and the perception of Ethiopia or anything else like that, is there any way where you can, and if, if the answer is no, that's fine. Is there any way you could say, I just wish everybody would at least understand this or at least everybody would at least do this or whatever. Is there, is there something that slots into that kind of that sentence for you? That's a great question. And for me, it all comes down to just, uh, I wish that, I wish that we, all of us, you know, had the, the ability and the wisdom to empathize and be open to other people's experiences. And I think that's where all of this comes from, right? It, we are living in a society where, whether, you know, it's not about how we got here, that, that, but how to change it that we're focusing on at this point. But we're living in a society that doesn't validate all experiences, that doesn't allow certain groups of society to have a full human experience as compared to others. And I wish that we can all acknowledge this and acknowledge that that's not okay, you know, and that everybody deserves to have this full, rich experience while they exist, where they feel safe, where they feel like they belong, where they can thrive. And that doesn't mean, you know, it's going to take away from other people. All of us can experience this at the yeah. same time. And if you can, you know, acknowledge that and operate from that space, then you're an open person. You can, you can really understand how this world works. And, and I think that even you yourself will have such, such a beautiful experience um, just by acknowledging and understanding that and acting from that yeah. space, you know. Because that requires a lot of self-awareness and uh, self-reflection, I think. If my structure allowed it, that would be the end of the podcast because that was amazing. <laughs> that was beautiful. I am very inspired by that. And I love you sharing that. I think that there's, you know what? I'm about to like explain all the things you just said and you did a great job. I'm not even going to say anything else. Please, Thanks. No, no, it. thank you for Please. sharing it. That was great. <laughs> you don't need anything else from me. I, yeah, I'm just going to let that sit. So let's move on to the next question because I don't, I don't think there's anything I could add. So the last question that I asked before, how can we support you, is what insight or support did you receive or need when you were younger that you hope more people will give to others? Obviously, it overlaps a little bit with what you just said, but kind of in the shape of that question, is there something that comes to mind? Uh, support I got when I was mm -hmm. younger, right? You support you either got um, or you didn't get but needed. Like if you can imagine somebody providing young you with, with something, mm -hmm. what would that be? Wow, great question. I think that... Uh, 
coming from from uh, my background, as I told you about, like with this collectivist mm-hmm. culture, community oriented culture, and um, like an immigrant culture. For me, what would have been uh, what I what I think I needed is that it is it's okay to not be perfect and to uh, just fail forward. And I mean, and I, I say, like, you know, I remember I told you about my mantra about, you know, everything happens for a good reason. I'm so glad that it meshes with this perfection issue that I had. Uh, I still have. I'm not going <laughs> to pretend like I overcome right. it. Uh, uh, but I do wish that from a young age that I was affirmed to, to not um, value other people's opinions mm. more than my own and uh, to not strive for this elusive perfection that, uh, that is really about avoiding mm. failure. It's really wow. about avoiding other people's opinions of you and uh, that's why that's what I would want for everybody I if you're young you know especially in this day and age this TikTok and, and social media age where we're all so afraid of cancel culture and very much worried about saying the wrong thing perfectionism is so it's doubling down on us it's doubling down and uh, I think that uh, I, I, I hope everybody operates from a self-compassion space and uh, know that it is okay to make mistakes it is okay to learn and to grow and it is very okay to to not be perfect even to disregard this idea of perfection just you know you're a human having a human experience and that requires failure and growth and you don't even have to call it failure just call it improvement opportunity or something just think differently but yeah, that's what I would want for my younger self and I, for all young young people. Just it's okay, you know. Just keep uh, being, you know, value how you see yourself way, way more than how other people see you. I think that will get you a long way in, in avoiding perfection. That's good. That's so good. And I mean, you you wrote how we, you know, you talked about it so much about trusting in your gut, right? Like this yeah. is making sense. Yeah. Yeah. There's a real quick connection there for her. No reason. I don't know, but I watched uh, Meet the Robinsons. I think it is, which is like a probably 10, 15 year old Disney movie with my kids this past week. And there's a kid who's a perfectionist, who's an inventor. And at some point he meets the people who are going to help him do better. I won't tell the whole story if anybody watches it, but he screws something Mm -hmm. up and he's about to beat himself up and whatever. And they all break out into cheers. And he's like, what do you mean? I just screwed the thing up. And they said, yeah, exactly. It's only through failure that you're going to grow and learn. And I was like, that is such an amazingly deep way of thinking. And so when you keep talking about failing forward, that keeps what comes to my mind. So I really appreciate it. Like, I feel like you're speaking to me right now. Thank you. (laughs) I mean, I will release this for other people, but it's clearly just my therapy session right now. (laughs) Okay. All right. We're at 50 minutes. So I will cut this. So tell us how we can follow you and support you. I believe that there's going to be a lot of people coming out of this who will want to read everything you make, who want to give you a lot of money and who want to hear everything you do. So how can we follow you? How we can support you? How can we consume the stuff you're creating? What does it look like um, for all of us? Great. Uh, so you can find any of our content at our website, which is Itan comics, E T A N comics.com. Again, E T A N comics.com. 
Uh, you can subscribe to our newsletter. I send out emails. Uh, they're usually personal and, and I like to not be so sales peachy. Uh, I just share my experience with you and uh, let you know about all the cool stuff we do. Um, uh, any social media stuff is at the same, you know, the same handle at Etan Comics, at E-T-A-N Comics on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. And, uh, you know, the best way to support us is you can either spread the word uh, if you can financially assist us, join our Kickstarters, buy our books, um, and uh, just have fun. And, and uh, always, you know, just be open to, to not just even our stories, but other, other African stories, other storytellers who, whose voices have not been heard as much as others. I love that, man. I cannot tell you how grateful I am to you for creating everything you've created, but also for spending your time with me today. It really was very good for me, but I'm sure everyone else will love it too. So thank, thank you, man. You. Thank you. Thank you so much. It was. was fun. And to the rest of you, until I see you next time, be good to each other. Bye.